folks, I think this is official. My very first return guest on the podcast. What an honor for you, Wyatt. I feel special. You didn't even tell me that when we were warming up for this. This I uh, I can't tell you everything. This uh, this is an honor. How about that? Why what do I get? What do I get for this? You will get uh, the parting gift that I give all my guests: a pat on the back. Ah, that's what I, that's what I wanted. Patsontheback.com. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing, sir? I am good. Busy, busy as heck with the uh, crossover season football, basketball, district high school football. It's uh, oh, it's it's that time of year, but uh, it's better. I like this more than the summer where there's nothing to do. So, uh, so bring it on. I'm, of plenty of overtime these next few weeks. There you go. There you go. Well, Wyatt is the sports department at the Springfield News Leader. As you mentioned, very, very busy. We're now getting into the point where the fall sports are winding down at Missouri State and on the high school scene in Springfield. And we're switching gears to uh, the winter sports, specifically the reason why I have Wyatt on to talk a little Missouri State basketball. And this year, poised to be a pretty special one. Um, If folks have uh, seen uh, some of the stories that Wyatt has put out, I mean, and even some of the national stories, I mean, the Bears are actually getting a little bit more attention this year because of what the potential of this squad is. And we'll talk about that as well. But um, let's just start because Wyatt was at Media Day, Wyatt was at Missouri State's Media Day. Um, I mean, you've been around both the Bears and the Lady Bears, and we'll talk about them, too, because what a special season they had going into Sweet 16 last year. Um, but uh, let's just start with um, you saw exhibition, ex- the first exhibition game against WashU for the Bears yeah. uh, just last night. Um, before we jump into what the prospects are for individuals, things like that, just your first impression. This is the first time the Bears were seen in public playing against somebody else, other competition. What did you think about the Bears and WashU? Yeah, uh, last night it started out slow. Um, everybody went in. They've seen the Missouri Valley uh, results from all over the, from all over the league right now, and uh, you see Loyola go down to Indianapolis, and you see another GLVC school take uh, Evansville to overtime and a kind. Of bonkers game um so it was there's kind of i don't know if it was a weird a nervous energy going into an exhibition game against a d3 school but it was it was kind of a weird feeling but uh uh especially after halftime because msu started out slow um there was a surprise injury uh that none of that we didn't that kind of heard whispers throughout the day that it happened um and then it came out to be a thing um with gage prim so there was a lot there's a lot to take in in that first half and then they come out slow defense kind of all over the place leaving guys open um offense isn't hitting all their shots uh, they're playing a little more iso ball and just trying to it, it, i saw somebody say it kind of felt like msu was playing an all-star game with its brand new roster and that, that is kind of a good uh it's kind of a good uh, explanation for it they're just they 
they were the better team. It was obvious that they could have done anything down low uh, at any point during the game, but they uh, uh, they came out slow. It was only a two point lead at the half, uh, but they came back in the second half. They were a lot more energized. Uh, fed Tulio to Silva the ball down low. The rest of the game, he scored sixteen of his twenty in the second half, and uh, it was uh, it was just. It was an exhibition game. Uh, I've, I'm not going to panic or tell somebody else to panic and think they're not going to be any good because of how they played an exhibition game. You see the potential that pretty much every single player on the team has, and if they, it's going to take a little bit for all this new collective talent to add up to be really good, like they're predicted to be. But I mean, we got time now, and non-conference probably. Non-conference, I wouldn't. I'm not too high on how they're going to perform in this non-conference, just because they got to figure things out, and they have so many tough opponents right now that it's not going to. They're not going to be perfect right out the gate when they go play at as Xavier or they play uh, potentially Florida in the second round of the Charleston Classic and play LSU in LSU the next week. So uh, I think last night it was nice to see that there are there they have to there's a lot of room to improve it's not a finished product yet on either side of the court uh it's going to take a little bit but the only thing that really matters is that they get it going right after christmas that they're looking like a team that can be really really good in the missouri valley conference right after christmas when valley play begins on i believe the 31st so it's uh there's a room to improve but it's it's exhibition uh that's what i keep telling people there's guys that you're going to like there's guys that stood out um they got a they got a bit to go but it's not a bad thing at this time of year it's it was october 30th when they played that game and you're trying to play in march so just get going at the right time yeah that was that was one of the things i was thinking about so i went through and i, I don't dig into schedules and rosters as much anymore uh not working in college athletics i'm just a regular old fan and uh, I was thinking about this the other day, talking with a buddy that um, there's so many new pieces to this team and people are saying, well, the schedule, wow, if they could get some of these significant wins and set themselves up for a, a at large, that'd be great. But you got to keep in mind that these pieces have to find their way and fit together. And that's not going to be easy when you're looking at an, a Xavier or Miami or you know, whoever it is. So, you know, you'd hope they can get it together early and, and right off the bat. But the chances of that happening, never say never, obviously. I mean, I'm, I, I hope it does happen sooner rather than later. But um, I, I was thinking maybe this team is more focused and put together for the Valley Hall and, you know, winning three games in, in St. Louis to get to the NCAA tournament than it is, you know, locked in on you know november and december not to say that they're not going to be locked in because i'm sure dana will have them prepared um, but playing those teams will you know obviously set yourself well to play good good competition but um you never know you never know i don't know i, I was trying to yeah, uh, trying to you have three new expectations 
you have three new guys in the starting lineup last night, including a new point guard. You probably expected to have uh, Gage Prim in that starting lineup two days ago before he, they found out about his injury um, just or just the day before the exhibition game. Um, that kind of, The Gage Prim injury, uh, whatever it is right now, because Dana's kind of being a little secretive because I don't know if he really knows what it is yet. Uh, that's... That's a big guy that was going to move Tulio over to be able for him to be able to do more uh, at a be- at a position that better suits him, and then Gage would have been that dominant five that Dana's been wanting ever since he's gotten here. Um, the, the, there's just a lot that they need that, that's going to. And Dana said yesterday, he said we need to get Gage healthy by Christmas. So we need to get him healthy by the va- the Valley season beginning. I, I don't, I don't know if he necessarily cares about the wins and losses right now. Right. Um, he, it's going to be, t- it's, it's going to be, uh, like I said, it's just going to be tough. It's uh, there's a lot of new faces. Uh, there's two freshmen who played big minutes yesterday, uh, three new guys, the starting lineup. And I mean, Lamont was one of the, it was a top scorer at West Virginia. Um, Tyreek Dixon sat out for a little bit, but he was, uh, he, he got some recognition when he was at middle Tennessee, uh, Josh Hall hit a game winner in an NCAA tournament game. Um, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of new names, new, new faces that, I mean, they're, they were probably, they're kind of praised a little bit from where they were coming from. And I keep going back any other year. A lot of these guys, if you only get one of these guys in years past, instead of getting like five or six of them in one off season. So it's, it's, uh, so there's a lot to come together. There's a lot of excitement around all of them, but it's going to, it's going to take a little bit of time and people are going to have to be patient. Yeah. Well, the good thing is there is expectation. And I think everyone's expectations are on a higher level because of the pieces, because of the talent. Um, we've seen that now. Uh, you've obviously written a lot about you know what, what this team could look like uh, as the season starts. But now the national landscape, we've got guys like Matt Norlander writing about it. And he's got two articles I know you've seen and, and shared online. And I wanted to get your interpretations of them. Uh, let's start with the easy one first. He did his overall ranking. He ranks every single Division One team uh, in the country, uh, and the Bears were the highest-ranked team in all the Valley, number sixty-nine. Nice, um, and <laughs> and that doesn't come to any surprise to me. They're the preseason pick, so you know it is what it is. Um, your initial thoughts? I I thought his his ranking, and I, I should go and pull it up here as we're talking. Um, I, I'm myself, I'm a little bit high on Northern Iowa. I don't know if anyone's giving them enough credit, yeah. um, for where they'll be. I think they'll be, you know, the next best team to Missouri state. If I can play fanboy, I think they will be, you know, two Bradley three, uh, after that. I don't know. I mean, people are saying yeah. Drake is underrated. Um, you know, take your pick, but. I'm I'm sort of bullish on on Northern Iowa being the next taking another step forward. But um, your thoughts? I mean, I, I think I've yeah, agreed. The coaches yeah. seem to with at, at media day from what you talked to him about, uh, about about the Bears, too. Right. 
Yeah, the the other coaches like the Bears. Um, they've seen the talent that Dan has brought in. Um, they they just feel like that's something that's they're starting to be really good here at MSU. Um, I'm with you, Northern Iowa. I, I like the guard play, AJ Green especially. Um, and you'll hear coaches all the time in the the in the Valley. They'll say it's a guard league, and, and you look at the players who were in the uh, Valley the Valley Championship last. Year it was uh, Daryl Brown and yeah. AJ Green who were the two two of the, probably the two best point guards in the league last year. So that's uh, that's kind of where it trends, and that's kind of where you want Tyreek Dixon to be at the end of the year. Uh, among those names, I'd probably go Northern Iowa, Bradley, and I don't. Uh, the injuries with Loyola right now are kind of concerning. I agree that MSU is probably number one just because of the paper, what they have on paper alone, and that's kind of what you go off of in these uh, preseason rankings. Um, but then you look at the coaches who have been there, done that before. It's Jacobson's definitely the guy that sticks out in the league, and then Bradley's coming off a conference championship and tournament championship and Porter Moser will probably figure something out over there. He's a final four coach and some, somebody that a lot of division one teams have been after the recent off seasons. So uh, it, it's going to be close. It, it'll probably be closer than a lot of people think. I know I've, I just put out a article on the hot takes that you contributed to that you, you putting in there. You putting in there saying that the uh, Bears are going to go to the Elite Eight, but uh, <laughs> you know, there's, I mean, people are in there still saying they're going to get 24 wins, 25 wins. Uh, the Valley season is going to be tougher than you think. Uh, that's just the way it is, and probably beat up on each other a little bit. But yeah, we'll see. It's, it's kind of hard to spe- look out right now, especially with some of the injuries. And we'll see how it goes. Yeah. So the other one just came out earlier this week and Norlander. So before I even jump into that, I should say when he does these rankings about every single team and this other one that I'm going to bring up, he does the United States of college basketball and he goes state by state ranks the top team uh, or ranks each division one team in each state. Keep it. I think people should keep in mind this guy's doing this on a national landscape. So he knows a lot about the top 25, the top 50, you know, top 100 to an extent. And his job is sort of to take a big global overall look. So and I'm saying this because I'm prefacing the I'm I'm trying to use a how would I put it? A straightforward walk the line. You know, I can see both sides of the story kind of thing when it comes to his Missouri rankings. Oh, yeah. Um, Because there are some folks that he, he even said that he he got some comments, some feedback from a couple fan bases, one of those fan bases in the state of Missouri that were not happy with his state rankings. Uh, but keep in mind, I don't know how much how much detail Matt Norlander knows about Missouri State this year, but he knows enough where he ranked them first and he ranked Mizzou second. And of course, all the Mizzou faithful are completely up in arms, which is OK, because that's what fans do. Um and I, I'll put it this way. As I, I told someone else, I had a DM conversation with today about the rankings. I said this, the potential for Missouri State this year is extremely high. And that's what I'm sure these rankings are on. This is a 
could be a pretty special team. Like we're looking at the opportunity to go into the NCAA tournament for the first time since 1999. That's how like special of a team this could be. And I think Norlander knows that. I don't know if every Mizzou fan knows that. I don't know how yeah. how many Missouri State fans know what Mizzou what Mizzou has this year. I know I don't. Um, so you have to take it with a grain of salt of he's looking at every single Division One team, every single conference in each state, and he's just ranking them. So he's just doing paper and he's doing I'm, I'm sure he's probably doing quick research and just sort of, you know, going through the motions and maybe he's not going through the motions. I don't know. But he's 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 doing it. It's a great effort. It's a great thing because it just we're talking about it. That's the oh, point, yeah. right. We're talking about it. So with all that said, so his Mizzou, his, his rankings for the state of Missouri. Missouri State number one, Mizzou two, uh, St. Louis three, and actually surprising to me, he's got UMKC four and Southeast Missouri State five. No one's going to talk about SEMO and UMKC being ranked four and five. That actually is a surprise to me because I I thought SEMO was trending up, but maybe <laughs> they're not there yet. Uh, I follow a little bit. Keith Pickens, former Missouri State Bear assistant coach, oh, yeah. uh, assistant coach at SEMO. So, but. Um, he, he says this is this is uh, what Norlander writes on his website on CBSSports.com. Dana Ford's Bears are the class of the Valley this season. Of course, they were the preseason pick. Um, get in on the ground floor as opposed to catching up on on that catching up that Sunday morning when the Valley's conference title game airs on CBS, meaning the Arch Madness final. Um, names to know: Senior shooting guard Keandre Cook, Senior power forward Tulio Da Silva. He actually spells it Da Salva, actually. Shows you how much he knows. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Senior forward Lamont West, wing Josh Hall. Nine players were transfers, including West from West Virginia and Hall from Nevada. Rare is the year when the Missouri Tigers aren't the best team in this state. The 2019-20 season spell looks like an exception. So there you go. Um, again, a global look. He knows about names and transfers. We know that Tulio Da Silva is eyeing an NBA career. We know that he was an exceptional player. We are hoping that these transfers are exceptional players. Um, again, me playing devil's advocate, seeing both sides of the story. I'm talking a lot. I'll let you talk about what you saw. Maybe some of the feedback that you got when you shared this on Twitter. Oh, I got some angry tweets. I just shared it out. I'm like, I didn't write this. Why are you tweeting at me getting all mad? And like, I know I'm the beat reporter for MSU, but I, I mean, I'm kind of with you. I don't know too much about Mizzou. I, I write about, I study. And it's not your job to know anything about Mizzou. It's not my job to know about Mizzou. I mean, I'm the Missouri State beat reporter and I uh, do, uh, I, covered, I cover some of the Valley as well. So it's, uh, I'm not too knowledgeable with Mizzou. I know they had top 10 recruiting class just a few years ago when they got a uh, they playing the sec apparently no, the sec is trending up i think they got, was picked like 13th or 12th they're still they're picked in the bottom half of the uh sec i believe so uh i i think you see a lot of things there where um msu's being hyped up as much they have a, they probably have a better tournament chance i would say um i think based on the fact of Again, we can call it like we see it, the Valley being what it is. And then that's part of the, the opportunity that Missouri State has. You've got it's been a one bid. It is what it is. The Bears have the talent. Again, it, however, the non-conference goes. But, hey, a weekend in St. Louis could pretty much be the season. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that's how it's been, uh, especially since Wichita State left. It's uh, I remember the, the Illinois State had that one yeah. had that one good year where they were they probably maybe should have made it in. I'm not too. I don't remember that one too well, but they were there. they were right there, Paris Lee and all them. But uh, that was the sixteen seventeen year, I think. And they've Wichita State and Illinois State tied for the regular season. Mm-hmm. Both were seventh. Yeah, that's one. right. And, and then the- Wichita State won the tourney, the Arch Madness championship game. Kind of throttled them. Kind of throttled them, yeah. State. So I'm guessing that didn't do them any favors of getting in that large. So, which tends uh, to happen to Valley teams. If a, a, a terrible showing on a scale like that or a game like that doesn't tend to do any favor. And that's just another reason to hold a mid a mid major team back of, well, they don't like a quality team because they, you know, laid an yeah. egg on national TV where we uh, see it. Years are years are starting to blend together for me. I'm I'm getting to be uh, I'm getting to be an old man. But uh, don't worry, I've, I've got <laughs> my eight years of valley knowledge have sort of blended together in some ways too. But I I can piece together some things. I was I was I grew up an Illinois State fan because I was a ball boy for them, and uh, I remember being a heartbroken little kid when. ISU was left. Illinois State was left out because uh, Osiris. I wanted Osiris Eldridge's teams to go on and and make it. So, uh, I mean, that's kind of the way the Valley's been. You, know, you get whooped. You get whooped by uh, Creighton or whoever in the championship game, and you're not going to make the tournament. Uh, that has, well, that's how it always used to be, though. Well, yeah, like that was. That's but, certainly not how it was in 2006. So that's how it was when I cared when I was a little kid, uh, crying on Selection Sunday. But uh, it, it's, it, I mean, odds are people keep they, that's another question I get quite often. Do you think the Valley's a two bid league? And probably Do you think there's a chance? Us, I don't think the schedules for the other teams are good enough. I think Missouri State's going to have the non conference schedules, especially. Um, I think Missouri State's going to have to be the one to play well in non conference play and be that at large team because I I went through the other teams' non conference schedules and they're not very good. Um, I heard that Dana's not really happy with how other teams scheduled uh, this uh, for this season either. It's just teams didn't go out and build themselves a schedule that can challenge them and challenge for an at-large bid um, to the point where Missouri State is going to have to be the team that wins a few of these non-conference games that has a good regular season and loses closely in a conference championship. It's just kind of a lot to add up, so it's unlikely in my opinion. Yeah, it's – it's. yeah, I, don't, I mean, I don't know. I don't – I, I... – being behind that curtain, so to speak, and I, I, I've heard the coaches talk about it and some of their reasoning, and I get it. And I also, you know, from the conference perspective, I get it. It's a, it's a tough, tough thing to figure out, and there's no easy science. And then when you're a Valley team and you're Indiana State and you want to play Butler all the time and you get Butler in your home court and you beat Butler, Butler doesn't want to play you anymore. And oh, yeah. Yeah. When you're, I sat down with – I sat down with Kyle Motes the other day and uh, got a story coming out on Sunday on kind of the excitement about the team. And uh, Kyle said, Kyle's like, I told 
with scheduling for Missouri State, Kyle said, he told Dana, I want you to go schedule the most difficult schedule you can get because with the new net system, losing to a team like LSU isn't going to hurt you, but winning against a team like LSU is really going to help you. So there's th- that's kind of the way Missouri State's looking at it. And Kyle, Kyle says, he's like, we're not going to go get a quadrant one team and bring them to JQH Arena. It's just, they're not going to agree to it. It's not going to happen. So we're going to keep, we're just going to keep scheduling difficult. And that's, I guess the other teams in the Valley didn't have quite that uh, uh, philosophy that MSU did this year. Yeah. I mean, and I, again, like I said, I get it. I see both sides of not, not being political here of, you know, coach talk or, you know, whatever administrator talk, but it's, it's not easy. And why would a Mizzou or you name it, you know, Oh, yeah. man, we'll play Missouri State. What do they have the game? Yeah. Have mm-hmm. lose? And I get it. Sometimes you just got to go on the road and do it. And at the same time, you don't want to have all those road games either. And then you get the fans up in arms. Well, schedule's terrible. We don't have any home games. Yeah. It's a lot of you're juggling a lot of different things in action there. Bottom yeah, there's a lot. I feel like there's a lot of things behind the scenes we don't really know about either. It's It, it just doesn't make sense for a team to – and I, I know that some people are frustrated with the amount of night games or non-conference home games, especially these first few weeks, there's a good amount. But then they go to Charleston, they go to Xavier, they go to LSU, and they're gone for quite a bit. So it's, it's I know there's some frustration here, but it's just kind of the way they have to do it if you want them to have that difficult schedule. Right. And this is one of the better schedules they've had in years, uh, especially since I've been here. And I've been around this team for five years now. So Has this is long. Yeah, standard man. It's uh, when I was. I'm thinking, I was back, I did, yeah, I'm thinking back to you and good lord, McChesney. Yeah, wow. Yeah, because okay. I did. I did two years of covering them at the standard, and now this is my third year. So I'm, I'm getting to be a Valley old guy now. It's kind of weird. <laughs> I'm going to be Dave Reynolds before you know it. <laughs> <laughs> we keep talking about the schedule, so let's run through this real fast. We just had the exhibition against WashU. The Bears will open up the regular season in Springfield uh, against Little Rock Tuesday, November 5th. Uh, Alabama State, November 10th. Uh, that's a home game. They will still be at home against Cleveland State, November 12th. Uh, they will travel to Cincinnati, take on Xavier, November 15th. The Charleston Classic, the Bears will uh, take on Miami November 21st in Charleston, South Carolina. The 22nd of November, they will play either Florida or St. Joe's. They will have another game on the 24th as well. Louisiana to take on LSU on November 29th. Back in Springfield for Murray State, December 3rd. Mississippi Valley State on December 6th. Arkansas State in Springfield, December 11th. Back on the road to take on BCU, December 15th. Tulsa uh, to take on Oral Roberts, December 21st. And then the Valley grind begins on December 31st, starts out with uh, Evansville in Springfield, January 4th, a trip to Chicago that I am eyeing to go to on Saturday, January 4th uh, at Illinois State on January 7th. Uh, We will have two straight in Springfield, uh, Northern Iowa, January 11th, Bradley, January 15th, uh, a trip to Evansville, January 18th. Uh, Springfield for Valpo on January 23rd, 
Drake and Northern Iowa swing on the 26th and 29th. That could be an interesting swing. Yeah, that's the one I'm looking at. Yeah, that's, that, uh, that's, of course, Northern Iowa. I, I just said they're my sleeper team. They could be good, but you going you're going to Northern Iowa uh, and Drake. You know, and much improved last year. Yeah, that's the that's the thing about Drake. Uh, everybody, I'm not sure what to expect this year, but they're they're picked to finish last last year, right? And yeah. then they ended up at the. Regular season champs. Uh, they tied the regular season champs. Yeah, they tied for first. Yeah. And, um, so we'll see. I don't know. That, 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 those two games, it's January 26th at oh, yeah. Drake, January 29th uh, at UNI. That could be interesting. Uh, they'll be back home on February 1st uh, to take on Indiana State and February 5th. Uh, hosting Illinois State, Illinois State in February. Who knows? We don't have Jared Dixon this year, but oh. uh, you know maybe they won't need as much drama to win the game. Uh, a road game at SIU to take on new head coach at for the Salukis, Brian Mullins, on February eighth. Uh, Drake will come to Springfield for the return engagement on February twelfth. Uh, the Bears will be at Terre Haute for Indiana State on February sixteenth. At Bradley on February 19th. Loyola comes to Springfield on February 22nd. Uh, The Bears will go to Valpo February 25th, and they will close out the regular season on Saturday, February 29th, when Southern Illinois comes to Springfield. So there you go. Um, Yeah, I mean, to me, significantly, like I said, that Drake Northern Iowa swing. Oh, yeah, that's uh, the games. Could be First thing that I thought when I looked at that schedule was like, those are the two right there. Yeah. So, of course, fans can all the games are on TV somewhere. And that's a that's a great thing about being in the Valley. The ESPN agreement, the regional Fox Sports Midwest or CBS Sports Network. So there's no excuse to not be able to see any of the games on the exhibitions because exhibitions aren't on. But uh, I assume the games of the Charleston Classic. Yeah, they're on ESPN2, ESPNU. Uh, depending on the matchup. Um, but yeah, we'll, we shall see. I mean, like I said, Xavier, Miami, you you win, so, you win a game or two in Charleston. I saw someone had a, the hot take that the Bears will win. Yeah, game. that was one of them. Oh, yeah, that's a tough one. I, that might be more attainable than my Elite Eight. <laughs> yeah, that probably is. I, that uh, Florida early on is just uh, that's a tough one because yeah. they're supposed to, they're they're top ten team this year and hey, uh, did it the final four. Yeah, they, they beat Florida when Florida was ranked fifth. I do remember that. Yeah, that was a good one. So you never right. know. You never know. So they're gonna do it. Yeah, is that yes? Yeah. Say it. Yep. I picked them to go to the Elite Eight. What, I mean, just like it went to Charles, Charleston Classic, ain't nothing then. I mean, <laughs> if they're gonna, they gotta give me something at some point, right? So I don't know. All right, so here's what we're gonna do now. I have pulled out four, and we may pick it. I may pull another one out of thin air here. Four significant stats that I'm interested in and interested in your feedback in. I've got the stat from last year. And I'm curious to get your thoughts on if the Bears will go over or under a designated stat of that same category that I've set. So, for example, last year, this is this is the first category. The Bears scored their team total, their team points per game in 2018. They scored 68.9 points per game. In 2019, do you think the Bears will go over or under 65.5 points per game. Yeah, I think they probably will. Um, that's uh, will go over or under. 
over. I think they'll go over. Um, I think they're going to play at a faster play- pace this year. Um, get rid of that three-man weave. You didn't. We didn't see that once last night at the exhibition game, and that that really excited me to because we're going to actually see some fast basketball now, and that's kind of what we want to see. Yeah. But uh, I think they're going to play with a better pace this year. Um, I think more more possessions, more scoring. So why not go over? And last year, injuries happened, defection, defections yeah. happened. You know, players leaving the team. So they had they 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 literally modified on the fly, and it worked. And they over over exceeded expectations. So um, why it's going over? I am also going over sixty five point uh, five points per game for the Bears. Three point shooting. This is something I'm really curious about because yeah. I heard the the talk about uh, certain players that have a three point shooting uh, ability that you know are Springfield native players that could really aid the team. I'm, I'm setting you up here, obviously. Uh, last year, the Bears shot 35 percent from three. Wyatt, in 2019-2020, do you think the Bears, as a team, will shoot over or under 33.5% for the season? Um, I'm going to go slightly over, probably. I think uh, I, I, I feel like with the more possessions they're going to get, they're going to take a few more bad shots as well from deep. Just just watching Lamont West, uh, that's kind of what's sticking fresh in my mind right now. Lamont, uh, he can hit. He can hit a lot of those threes and look pretty good uh, with a hand in his face, or he can take some really bad ones and look pretty bad. I think that's something we're going to have to see improve and hopefully get settled down throughout the season. Um, last night, you saw, I think we're going to see more for sure. Um, Ritter is a little banged up with his shoulder right now. Okay. Um, so, I, and that that injury kind of concerns me a little bit. Okay, he, that's what I was going to ask. I, I was setting you up for Ritter, and I was yeah, he, it, where that it was just, going. Yeah, it just concerns me a little bit because he separated his shoulder over the summer, um, had to rehab that. It takes two to three weeks to rehab that, and then it popped out again here recently to where he's sitting out again. Apparently if he could, if it was a Valley game, he would have played, but this is, uh, I, I just, shoulders are just, yeah. it, it sounds like they, they, so they come out. Shooter. Yeah. They come in and come out. So that's, uh, that's, that's something that really makes me nervous. I think, uh, last night we saw Jamonte black, uh, one of the Rockbridge freshmen kind of, I think he played a little bit of the Jared Ritter role, uh, that they want to have him do this year. And Jamonte looked pretty good. He was, uh, he's pretty, he was hustling on defense. He was, he has a pretty trot shot. I, th- I thought going into the year that he would probably be a red shirt candidate, but we're just going to have to see at that point. Now he got 14 minutes last night. Um, and then you're going to see Isaiah Mosley. He didn't have the best of games last night. He was a little off uh, one for seven over two from deep. Um, and that's a player that Dana talks about. Uh, unlike he talk in a way he doesn't talk about any of his other players. Uh, this is a guy 
uh, Isaiah Dana will say this kid could be a top 10. It, it, it would surprise me if he's not a top 10 scorer in school history. And that's coming from Dana's mouth and not mine. So that's uh, usually Dana's trying to set up, pump the brakes and some of that excitement. But Isaiah's the one he's, uh, he's going to pump up a lot. So that's, that's a score that he was the first player off the bench yesterday. So that's, uh, um, that's somebody that MSU really likes. Uh, I can see him. He's a freshman of the year candidate going into the year. He's a, he's a pretty good one. He's probably the best freshman they landed. But uh, those are shooters that they have. Uh, him, uh, uh, Tyree Dixon took a few took three threes last night. I think they're going to try to settle him down a little more. He was really aggressive, uh, two for 11. Dro- tried driving a lot, forced a lot of free throws. Uh, Keandre shoots threes. They're trying to get Tulio to shoot some threes because that's what the NBA scout yeah. said that he needed to improve on. Lamont uh, West going to take those threes. Josh Hall looked pretty good deep from deep yesterday and i pretty much just named half the roster so i think they're gonna take more everybody's gonna gonna take take a three apparently except for you yeah they're gonna take a lot more this year than maybe you saw last year and i i think you see the percentage goes stay around the same but you're gonna see more um maybe go up a little bit it's just it's just that's a that's a tough one to uh predict right now but with the style of play they're gonna play i think you're gonna see a lot more of them and i think they have a lot few a few more guys who can hit them we'll see all right well i am going to go over and i'm calling my shot that they're going to shoot 38 percent 38 man it's a valley championship right that's on their way to the elite eight in your eyes look at that hey i'm I'm, if i'm going to be a homer might as well go all in (laughs) all right Tulio Da Silva, you mentioned him in our last little uh, tidbit there. Last year, he averaged 14.3 points per game. Over, under for Tulio, I'm setting it at 15.5. You go over or under 15.5 points per game for Tulio Da Silva. I think I'll go under there. Um, I'll, I'll go as far as to say I don't know if he'll be the best player on the team at the end of the year. Oh. And that's uh, – Who would you give that distinction to if you could? Oh, they just have – they have they have so a many. few guys that are a candidate right now. But I think especially with the over-under, I think I'll go under because I think they have a few more guys who are going to need the score. Yeah. Um, Lamont and Keandre is still going to need the score. Josh Hall is going to score. Uh, once they get Gage Prim back, that's a guy who's going to touch the ball every play. And there's not going to be – there's not very many guys in the Valley who's at his size and strength. Um I mean, he he's Crutwig. He's he's not a Crutwig because he's a lot more. He's built, uh, but he's got the size to actually. But he's got the size to actually go up yeah. against him. So I, I think those guys are going to steal some points away, um, and that's a good thing because you don't have yeah. to have a workhorse to you know score 15, 18, 20 points a game on a regular basis. Yeah, so I, th- I think that's a I think that's a good thing for the Bears. And if Tulio De Silva's not your best best player on the team, it's 
it's not a bad thing because it just means you have other guys that are good too. Um, I could definitely see Gage Prem once he gets healthy being that guy. I think he's, uh, I think he's going to get a lot of rebounds and he's going to get, he's going to bully some guys down low. Uh, if Lamont can turn, if Lamont can uh, be a little better on a defensive end and uh, show a little more effort, take smarter, make smarter decisions. And there's other guys you can hit shots. So he's able to distribute that a little more he doesn't have to force up the tough one because a guy like josh hall could be standing there with the better matchup so there there's a there's a it's tulio's gonna be good he's gonna be really good like he was last year but there's some other guys that'll challenge him for that kind of for best player on the team recognition gotcha i will also go under the 15.5 i actually think he's gonna just be Somewhere around where he was last year, maybe yeah. 14 and a half. Um, but we'll see. But yeah, I, I agree that I, w- I was trying to bait you into him getting more, but you didn't take that one bit. So no, no. no better. Um, last year, the Bears were 16 and 16 overall. Of course, that was actually better than expected based on the preseason mm-hmm. poll. And Dana was late in the conversation for coach of the year discussion because no one expected the bears to finish where they did. They were actually 10 and eight in the conference race. Uh, in like I said, in 2018, they were 16 and 16 and in league play, they won 10 games. Wyatt Wheeler in 2019. Will the bears win more than 18 and a half games or less i'm gonna go under 16 games no you're not i know uh, okay <laughs> Your i think around got them winning the regular season for- <laughs> no i th- i think they'll be around i think what'd you say 18 i said it at 18 18 and a half, and a half. 18 19 20 just uh, i think i, I think mean, 20, 20 is a thing but i mean let's let's call it like we see it here if they don't, and I, here's what, here's my reasoning for setting it at that number. Yeah. Because we always hear the 20 wins. Oh, that's a, they're a 20 win team. That's yeah. like the quote unquote magic number. And 20 doesn't hold as much cachet as it used to in college basketball. But at the same time, this team, any team in the Valley, and I'm, I'm not just talking about the Bears. I'm talking the Valley as a whole. I can see any of them coming out of the gate. And, you know, not quite finding their groove to start out and struggling to figure it out. And they figure it out once we get to the new year and they're a different team. Mm-hmm. Injuries notwithstanding, if that happens and that's where they pile up or that's where the wins you know, pile up there. So who knows? I mean, I'm not saying that someone's going to lose every single non-conference game and then, you know, go, you know, 14 and four in league play. And they they win the valley. That that would be, I don't know. I don't know if that's ever happened. I have to go back and look at an old media guide, but that'd be a unique situation. So, um, could the Bears do something like that? I don't know, but just curious. So, my yeah. my original thought was, what if I set it at twenty two and a half? I'm yeah. going back to years when they were twenty two and eleven, or you know, twenty four and something, and that we thought was an NCAA team, and they're not for whatever reason. Um, but I'm like, yeah, maybe we'll set a little bit lower and see where we go with it. But yeah, I think they go over. Um, 
they were 10 and eight last year in the Valley. That's going to be better. Um, I think that'll be better if they're healthy, in my opinion. Um, and then it's just a matter of how many of these non-conference games you can win. So if you count them up, Little Rock, Alabama State, Cleveland State, um, who knows about the Charleston Classic. So maybe give them one from the Charleston Classic. So four, Murray State's not what it was last year, and it's a home game. So five, Mississippi Valley State, six, Arkansas State, seven. So there's – Seven games, Earl Roberts, eight. So there's, and then there's a road game at VCU that'll probably be tough for the Bears. And you hope they're starting to get a little bit better at that time, right? Um, so I think so give, that actually might be the the most key non-conference game is yeah. at VCU. It's a road game that's a quality opponent from a quality league that would benefit the Bears if they're you'll see. playing, you know, Bear basketball at that time could benefit them in the long run. It'll be good to see where they're at because VCU is right now touted as a top 25 opponent. Yeah. So eight, eight there, and I assume they're better than 10 and eight in the Valley. Um, so that's uh, that's 18, at least 19, at least 19 wins. Boom. Maybe 20. What do you think a the Valley champion has in wins this year? We're, we've had 12 and six, 14, four. Of course, Wichita State notwithstanding with – 18s and O's and Wichita State, Illinois State, 17-1. How many wins do you think takes care of a Valley regular season championship for whoever it is? Yeah, I, I mean, last year was just so weird. that Very. It, it was just a strange year. So you think that you look at the teams at the bottom of the league um, – I think Evansville will look will be better. I think you want MSU to go get those two wins against Loyola since you were able to last year. Illinois State's not at what it was, and you split with them, so you're going to want to go two and zero this year against them. Uh, Northern Iowa, that's uh, that's a, that's one you at least want to split this year. You, MSU's had so much trouble with them in the past. Uh, Bradley's one of the preseason favorites. Uh, Valpo's not going to be very good. Indiana State won't be very good. Southern Illinois might be the worst of all of them. Uh, so you're going to want – there's games that the top teams at the conference are going to say, these are games you must win. Um you got to win the two against uh, that should win. You'll probably lose a game or two that you should win. Um, um, so I'd say around 13, 14 range, right? Wouldn't you say? My gut, my gut has me at 14. Yeah. I think 14, four can do it. Just 18 wins it. That's all you got to do. Yeah, the, the boom. What eighteen? You're to what you win, no doubt. I would love for you to go to media availability and <laughs> Dana and see his reaction. Eighteen does it. So what do you think? Boom. Let's see what he says. I would do it. That guy walked into the press conference last night, and he's like, "Hey, Wyatt, nice costume. I wasn't wearing a costume. That guy thinks he's that guy. The second year in a row, he's come in on Halloween and messed with me." Last year, he ran in in a Freddy mask and a little cape, and he just started screaming. And it scared all of us. It scared every single one of us. 
He he. I will say this. So he's come out to an alumni to several actually alumni events here in St. Louis, not just in Springfield. Uh, and he's phenomenal. So we had an event at Top Golf, which is awesome. Um, and he came out and he hung out the entire night and was just talking. And there, if if folks, if you have a chance to get to meet the head. Not just Dana, but also Coach Mox as well. And I was going to Mox, switch gears, she's cool. Yeah, switch, switch gears to Lady Bears here, but they are both so personable, approachable, and you, you have a question, they will, they will, you know, they've got no problem talking, and it's just a delight to have them. They they are rock stars. I mean, I've I've heard people say if he ran for Mayor Springfield right now, he would win overwhelmingly because he's working the town and he's getting support. And not to mention, he's actually recruited a great a bunch of guys and they just get it done on the court. You know, it's the total package, but he has literally been a treat. And he's been, like I said, he's come to several events. The one that stands out, we had a golf tournament up here and I'm, I'm like, coach, if you don't, you know, if you have something to do, phone calls to make, let me know. We can relieve you get someone else. He goes, no, hang out. I'm here all day. He was on a putting green helping with a scholarship foundation funders that we were doing in, in from nine o'clock till two o'clock. I'm like, this, this had no obligation to do it whatsoever, but he did it and stuck around. So, um, he is awesome. He is awesome. I think he knows that too. You think he knows how good he is in public right now. He can just come in and mess with me. That's what, that's with all you. I'm thinking about. He knows he can mess with me and he knows he's got everybody's back. <laughs> he's, everybody's got his back. That's the thing. Uh, but I feel the same way about Coach Mox as well. Uh, I've had the chance to interact with her. Uh, and, man, I, I feel like high energy, uh, passionate. So, I, man, I'm, 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 I'm pumped for them, too. Uh, I know that the Lady Bears are a little bit miffed at the preseason poll and a team coming off Sweet 16 where you've just lost one player. But, again, not to do the coach speak or whatever, but I know how some folks have looked at it and says, oh, they lost their coach. And... You know, I'm not saying that. Well, maybe I am saying maybe the, the reason those votes were because they're saying an unproven coach that has been an assistant, a high level assistant, mind you. But, man, you got everybody back. You got everyone except for one player back still. Now, they were picked second. So it's not like there's a whole lot to to sort of complain about. And I'm by no means complaining about a preseason poll because, quite honestly, it doesn't really matter. They just got to go out and play the games. Um but not taking away from Drake's, I know that team is loaded once again, and uh, their coach is back and Jenny Baranchik. Um, but it's, it's it's still an exciting time to be able to to root for the Lady Bears and and keep them on the radar too. But um, this year they they got a pretty decent schedule. They've got you know like I said a roster full of players back. Uh, I'm a huge Jasmine Franklin fan. Oh yeah, I think she oh, yeah. at the end of her Missouri State career will be pretty special. I just love the way she plays the game. Um, just globally, schedule, players, returning, what they've got on the plate, your interpretation of the 2019-2020 Lady Bears. They're going to be really good. That's uh, I've really enjoyed my time around Coach Mox uh, so far. We haven't seen her after a loss yet, so that's what we were kind of joking <laughs> yeah, around. Changing, right? We were kind of joking around uh, after the exhibition win the other night that uh, – 
I was like, oh, that was a fun press conference. What's she going to do when she loses? Because <laughs> I can see her being really tough on the girls. Uh, that's uh, But they love her so far. It's been a ton of fun. Uh, and that's the thing. I, I'm really excited to cover more Lady Bears myself this year. Yeah. Just because there's so much personality on that team. And they're just, there's it's a big group of girls that you just want to root for. Um, they're good people. They, they use see them after games hugging all the uh lady bear fans and it's, it's just a really cool atmosphere with them and it's something special in springfield um but yeah i mean the the whole roster is back but danielle of course danielle it's i mean that's the heart and soul of last year's team they don't do what they did last year if they don't have somebody as tough as uh danielle getting there i mean she just had a refuse to lose mentality uh was the cool thing about her um um, it's going to, it's going to be tough to see. It's going to be interesting to see who replaces that kind of mentality because that, that kind of made up for That's kind of what led to the lady bears run was because they were just so they were tough as hell. in every single game, every, uh, they played their tails off, uh, uh, Paul and the Iowa state game, man, that was the hardest I've ever seen a team play. And I think that a lot had to do with the personality of their point guard. So you're missing that, but it's going to take a few players on that team to replace that. And I'm not saying that they can't because, uh, I'm with you. I think, yeah, I I think Jasmine Franklin is going to be one of the best players in the school's history by the time she's done here. I mean, the numbers are already trending that way. Um, uh, she's going to be better than Jackie Styles. Oh, wow. I'm kidding. <laughs> I, can't, I can't do that. Are you writing a Lady Bears hot take column and you're just putting yourself right out there? Wow. I can't, I can't do that. I just wanted to see your reaction. But, uh, <laughs> you shocked me. I mean, I'm a huge fan of hers, but that was a that's a pretty special time there. No, that, that was that was a that was a hot one. But uh, no, I, I I do nobody nobody's Jackie, but uh, the Jasmine's going to be a really a really special one for the Lady Bears. I mean, the rebounds, uh, the way she is down low. I I think she has a little bit of that. Uh, uh, fighters mentality that Danielle had. If she could keep it under control instead of uh, getting mad, if she could just feed that into energy into the girls, I think they, uh, they hopefully they can feed off of that um, and be used in a right in a good way. Um, the other night they looked faster. Um, they, they played with more tempo and it fit them pretty well too. I mean, the, Alexa Willard had the ball and three seconds was already hitting down a wide open jumper off the tip. So it was, it was literally three seconds. So, nice. so it, there's, there's a lot to like there. Uh, you see Emily Gardner uh, knocking down a pair of three pointers during the game. And she's only taken that many in her entire career didn't attempt one last year. So uh, she's got a lot of players playing different ways. Um, she has a, it seems like they're going to play a little bit bigger this year going with Emily and Jasmine on the court at the same time to start out. Um, but I could see why voters would go with Drake uh, out the gate, they got they got uh, uh, the valley the two two time reigning Valley Player of the Year. Um, uh, back, back what's her 
Becca Hittner, redhead, shout out. Um, <laughs> but but she she's really good. I, but uh, that I don't think the t- thing you want to do right now, if you're a voter, is tick off these lady bears. I think they're going to use that. And it was the lady bears beating. Uh, it was the lady bears that beat them. 20 whooped them in the Valley uh, championship and beat them, beat them on the road during their Iowa trip last year. Um, It's going to be a good year for the lady bears. Uh, The the personality there, they're hungry still, but it's, it'll be a fun year. Yeah. Some highlights of their schedule. uh, The lady bears, November 5th, their second, uh, uh, actually, that's their opener. They, they actually haven't they haven't they've already played one exhibition game. They have another uh, as we record here on October 31st, they have an exhibition game November 1st. But they open up at number 23, Minnesota on number, November 5th. The Lady Bears are in the preseason in IT. Uh, they open up against Texas A&M Corpus Christi uh, second round uh, against either Boise State or Portland State. Uh, and there is a third round in the tournament if they make it that far, or the championship if they make it that far. Uh, they have UMKC, which is now known as Kansas City. They've rebranded themselves. Uh, that They will be in Springfield. Wichita State will visit Springfield December 4th. Uh, Mizzou in Springfield December 15th. Uh, Gonzaga, which is a pretty solid program, December 20th in Spokane, Washington. Uh, in the Valley Slate, uh, Drake will visit on Friday, January 10th, uh, Northern Iowa that same weekend. Of course, the Valley on the women's side and uh, women's sports plays those travel partners. So those swing games. Uh, so you'll have Drake and you and I uh, the weekend of January 10 and uh, January 12. Uh, the Lady Bears will go to you and I and Drake fe- Friday, February 7th and Sunday, February 9 at Drake. Uh, they will close the regular season March 7th at home against Loyola, the NBC tournament, March 12 through 15 in Quad Cities, Moline, Illinois. Um, should be interesting. I, I you know, it, it could be fun. And it, it appears that it's a two horse rake between Drake and the Lady Bears. So we'll see how that pans out. That's a nice little rivalry there that goes back to actually when uh, I was a student and Jackie Styles was there, boy, there was a time when um, the, the women's tournament was on campus sites and mm. it would rotate years between actually Springfield and Des Moines. And who would win in Springfield? Drake would win in Springfield. Who would win in Des Moines? Oh, man. The Lady Bears would win in Des Moines. So it was it was like <laughs> that where you, these two teams had the hotbed that they have the great fan support. And they still do. Both of those programs have great fan support to support women's basketball. Uh, but it was always interesting that those two teams had a rivalry when it came to the postseason and the, and the Valley Tournament when it was on those campus sites. Uh, that's that's the way it sort of went. So maybe we're back to those days of having that rivalry back and hopefully that can continue. So, uh, Wyatt, we've gone almost an hour. I appreciate your time, sir. Let the folks know how they can sort of uh, follow your wonderful content and your tweets and your own Wyatt Wheeler podcast and Scribbly Bear artwork. Oh, yeah. Give them all the info they need to know on how they can read your content uh, online. 
Oh man, I got a ton of it now. Just uh, you listen it right there. I get the court, the place to start where you can know everything's coming out. The second, the second everything's up, I have it on my Twitter account. Um, that's Wyatt Wheeler. That's W Y A T T W H E E L E R underscore N L. Um, News-leader.com. We got uh, every story that I've ri- that I write goes there. Um, I got my podcast that I do that I put. In, put in some stories, put in my newsletter. It's the Wyatt Wheeler podcast, so it's an e- easy Google for you. And then uh, the new Bears Beats uh, newsletter, which is uh, uh, something I'm having a lot of fun with, and we've gotten tremendous feedback on. Um, it's free. They're, all you got to do is sign up, and we'll shoot you an email every Tuesday with exclusive MSU contents and my Microsoft Paint drawings and a whole bunch of sarcasm and uh, bashing on the football team. But, uh, and the views uh, of Wyatt in that <laughs> newsletter are not necessarily those of the news leader. Thank God is what they tell me because it's uh, <laughs> there uh, because I got some views. I got uh, somebody texted me and it's like, hey, you need to start writing about your, uh, your opinions on food, uh, dinosaurs. Just start throwing it all in there. Like maybe Christmas that'll be a music. summer thing. Christmas music. Oh, we're getting to that season. Oh, I tell you, it starts I heard tomorrow. Your song. I was I was at a. Speaking of high school sports and you cover the high school scene down there in Springfield, I was at a district volleyball uh, match just the other day. And what song did I hear over the PA? Your they played Mariah Carey. They played Mariah Carey. Oh, it was, man. This is before Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's bad Mariah Carey after Thanksgiving, and then there's bad Mariah Carey before Halloween. It's even worse now. Oh, the one thing the Dana's one thing I did you. not. Oh, the one thing that I did not miss about uh, covering games at arenas was the amount of Imagine Dragons, and that's just that's back. Oh, uh, that's. Uh, I'm sitting there and the, the lightning and the thunder's back and uh, make me a believer and uh, radioactive, on, all of man. it. That they play, gets they the play players all of it. No, it doesn't get them pumped up because they have headphones on trying not to listen to it is the thing. Nobody wants to listen to it. <laughs> I'll tell you, I, I, I don't like Imagine Dragons or the modern day Nickelback. The musical views of why we learned not as <laughs> Uh I knew I'd get something. I, I knew you'd go on a rant at some point. You can get more uh, of that in the Wyatt Wheeler podcast where he goes solo, folks. I guess everyone's. Yeah, I need to. You get Blaine or someone there. But you've done a good job mixing in the. I, I appreciate that in the podcast. I've got to tell you that when you mix in some of the sound bites, like what you did with Media Day, I thought that was cool. So keep, keep, yeah, keep that's that good work. Nope. Nobody wants to listen to this me all the time. Yeah, I'm not sure I need to find you on either. I should have just, you know, Blaine's gone. I don't know where he is. I need to catch up with him. Actually, I don't know where he is. Uh, he's on Twitter. Is where he is. He's on Twitter talking about the Chiefs in some way. Don't even get me started on NFL football right now. Uh, <laughs> you do not want me to go there. Uh, with, those with do the, not know why it is a Chicago Bears fan, and I'll just leave it at that. I have shared a DM within our DMs. I've shared a number of memes and, and images that I found funny privately only to Wyatt because of uh, certain aspects of the Chicago Bears. 
Oh, there's a there's a Monday rants for my coworkers they get every every Monday right now when they keep losing. I just walk in, cuss up a storm, uh, and then everybody's a Chief fan. They're all like, "Oh, Patrick Mahomes is the best." And it's like, I hate you. <laughs> I hate I hate you. I hate the Chicago Bears. I hate Mitch Trubisky. And then when they win on Sunday, I'll be right back on the bandwagon. There you go. There you go. That's why we, folks, sir. I really appreciate the time. I hope you heard the kind words that uh, Mr. Stephen Herzog had to say about you, and what was actually my oh, yeah. last podcast back in like June. So he's oh, yeah, I heard, I heard it. You, and then we're like, oh, he, he, he's not listening, and his ears aren't burning because we don't want to give him too much of an ego. The only thing he needs to start speaking up is my paycheck. Is when he starts giving me a raise because that, that's that's what I'm always that's what I want. <laughs> Wyatt Wheeler, I appreciate your time, sir. Appreciate you, Derek. <laughs> <laughs>